turn around, welcome some of the vineyard that you don't know. Well, good morning, everybody. And again, welcome to the Vineyard. So glad that you are here today. I'm Pastor Kim, Pastor Jamie are traveling, and they'll be uh, back here next week for Mother's Day. We'll have a great, great time together. Now, I was gone. I've been gone the last two weeks, so just want to just check in real quick. That uh, Everything at this church is still saying, still like all in missions, like that's a big priority for us, right? All right, all right, good, good. How about like youth ministry and students, big deal? All right, good. Want to make sure I'm on the same page. Want to make sure you fully step into the trap because on Friday we are doing a, the Nova students are doing a uh, spaghetti dinner fundraiser night for their summer missions trip. So I'm going to invite Ruby up. Uh, Every year we do a summer missions trip for our kids. This is Ruby, who's been before, and uh, you just graduated school, yes, right? Yes, I did. Just, just finished. finished yeah. high school. Yeah. And you've actually been to Puerto Rico, I think, twice with yeah. us? Yeah. Uh, the first year was online, so last year was my first in-person year, which was amazing. Um, so I wanted to share something that uh, just was a super impactful thing for me last year when I went. Um, just the friendships I was able to make, the deep connections with uh, kids my age and younger that are just like so on fire and passionate for Jesus. Uh, it's just cool to be in a room full with those kids. Um, and the, just the deep conversations I was able to have with so many kids my age and even younger. So that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to making more of this year. A life-changing moment that, that our students get to be in on, high schoolers, for this trip. And so you're going again. Yeah. And, and we're using this Friday night as one of the ways to help raise some money for them to be able to go. So thank you, Ruby, for being up here and sharing some of your story. On Friday night, there will be a lot of them that are sharing their stories, sharing what God's doing in their lives. You'll come. You'll get to have some dinner. Be really encouraged. There's some fun stuff that they're doing as well, some raffles and uh, auctions and stuff like that. So it'll be a really fun packed night on Friday night. We'd love for you to join us at that. And after service, back this way, they have a Nova table where they'd love to answer questions, get you some tickets. Uh, They'll sell you a shirt or a blanket uh, or other stuff that they've tie-dyed, anything they can paint. They're painting to uh, sell it to other people. And so come say hey afterwards. They'd love to tell you what they have going on. And if you're in middle school, you can head out with Terry. They wanted to stick around for that announcement uh, and be jealous of their older high school siblings that get to sit up front and hang out with us for the morning. So if you got your Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to John chapter 1. Um, we are going to carry on our series there called Empowered. And, and we've been looking at the Holy Spirit and how he works and interacts in our lives. And I just wanted to give kind of a picture of how the, the Trinity works as we jump in here, because we're going to talk a lot about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit this morning, and how do those three things play together, because we have one God represented in three ways to us, and and 
it's important to have a little bit of clarity there. So I grew up in church and, and, uh, and Christian school and stuff, but I didn't want to go to, like, to all like, the, the regular examples of, of how the Trinity works. So in preparing for this message, I actually saw um, one from Charles Spurgeon, who was a preacher. Well, this example was in a message he did 121 years ago. But I had never heard it, so I thought it was pretty cool. He's talking about how God is the, the giver of all the grace that you or I could ever need in our lives. And as that grace is there, God the Father is the fountain that produces that grace, that bubbles that grace up into the world. And Jesus Christ, God the Son, is the channel that would then bring that grace near to us. Through his life, through his death and resurrection, we get access to that grace through him. And God, as the Holy Spirit, is the cup that would lift out that water of grace and pour it over and into your life. That through each of these, together but with distinct personalities and distinct roles, you and I are able to access the grace of God in our lives every day because God has called us for a reason and pointed our lives in a direction. It's not just that you're born and go about doing your own thing however you want to do it. It's that God created you for a purpose and a direction. That's what we've been looking at in this series with Costa preaching and Pastor Jamie last week of how do we get empowered to carry out this mission and to follow through on all that God has for us. In fact, even Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out his mission. We're going to be in John 1, and we're looking at kind of John's retelling of the baptism of Jesus at the start of this. And Matthew and Mark and Luke, they tell the actual story of Jesus going to ba- get baptized. And John says, no, I shouldn't, you should baptize. And Jesus says, no, I need to be baptized. And so John, in his gospel, recounts what happened, especially in the moment after Jesus getting baptized. John 1, verse 32. John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Jesus. After Jesus is baptized... The Holy Spirit shows up to empower him to go carry out his mission. Because here's the choice that Jesus has made. Now at 30 years old, he has lived, although he is God, he has lived within the human limitations of life for 30 years. And he will carry out his ministry with the same human limitations that you and I walk through our daily life with. But as it's time for Jesus to step forward into ministry and out of his kind of seasons of preparation, his life up to this point, he needs the Holy Spirit to work and guide and go through him to accomplish all that is to come. Without the Holy Spirit showing up in this moment, Jesus would not accomplish all that comes in the next several pages. I know that's a strong statement. But that's the truth. Jesus carries out his mission by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. And it's a major act of humility. Think about this. This is Jesus, God, creator of the universe, who has come before his own creation and said, I need you to baptize me. So he's going to be baptized by his creation. But not only that, he's going to be baptized by his creation in his own creation, in the Jordan River, He's going to be baptized by his creation, in his creation, 
for the benefit of his creation, you and I. Jesus goes through this moment of humility to say, I'm going to take this step for the benefit of you and I. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit shows up. John says, I saw him as a dove descend down from heaven, but not just show up in the moment, but he remains on Jesus. Hopefully you've had some of these moments in your life where you had, maybe you haven't been baptized yet. In, in a few weeks on Pentecost Sunday, May 28th, we're going to be doing baptisms. And maybe you need this moment. But if you've already had it, you can look back and say, I remember when the Holy Spirit began to work in my life. And it's not a one-time thing. Right? Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit shows up in power on him. But he doesn't just show up for a few minutes and then go away. John says, I saw the Spirit as a dove remain on Jesus. Now, throughout his ministry, he's not walking around like a pirate with a dove on his shoulder, but he is walking around throughout his ministry with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in every moment and in every day. But not only does the Holy Spirit remain there, the Holy Spirit shows up on Jesus immediately. Right? He's not baptized, and then they come up and wait around and start having lunch, and then the Holy Spirit shows up. God shows up when you need him right away. His response is swift and immediate. He shows up, and then he stays with you through the good seasons and the hard seasons. And I'd love to say that Jesus' life from this point on gets easy, but it doesn't. He leaves this moment of baptism and goes into the wilderness, into the desert for 40 days of fasting. And in that same moment, the enemy comes and is tempting him and giving him trials. It's a whole thing that is difficult to walk through, but Jesus is able to walk through it because he is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And throughout this morning, we'll see that these things that apply to Jesus apply to you and I as well. That it's through the Holy Spirit and his work in my life that I'm able to walk out what God would have for me. And the opposite is true as well. That without the Holy Spirit working in your life, you will never see the fullness of what God has for you. You won't get there. You cannot be smart enough, good enough, anything enough, spiritual enough to see all that God has for you unless you yield control of your life over to the Holy Spirit that he could then empower you and work inside of you to bring about what God has for you. How do I know that? I want to look at John 5 at a story and see how this happens even in Jesus's own life. And the next couple chapters, he starts this kind of earthly ministry as it's called and he's going around and preaching and healing and all of this amazing stuff is happening. In John chapter 5, Jesus and his disciples are walking through Jerusalem, and they walk past a, let's call it a spiritual place. Uh, It's a place where people who have physical ailments stay and wait for healing, pray for healing, cry out for healing. And then at times, the Holy Spirit shows up and brings healing, but usually in this place only on one person at a time. And Jesus is walking by. He's probably walked by it before. But this time, he stops. And he sees somebody. It's a crowd that are around this. It's this kind of pool in the middle of five colonnades. And he stops and he sees one person. 
and he goes up to that one person. He's been there. He's been paralyzed, John says, for 36 years. I don't know if he was born that way or if something happened, but at least for the last 36 years, he's been paralyzed. And Jesus goes straight to him, directly to him, and says, hey, do you want to be healed? Kind of an obvious question. Yeah, I, I, let's go. I, I, that's why I'm here. He says, but I, I, I can't get into the water when I need, I can't, I can't find the healing that I need. And Jesus says, all right, well, get up and take your mat, you're healed. He heals him on the spot, led by the Holy Spirit to go heal this guy. This guy gets up, he's probably, you would imagine, 36 years, and he's finally able to get up and stand and celebrate and walk. He picks up his stuff to go home. And in doing so, by picking his stuff up and walking out, he breaks some of the Jewish traditions and rules. It is the Sabbath day, church day. They are not allowed to pick up their mat, pick up their stuff, and carry it. That would be work. And so you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath in their culture. And so the religious leaders that are there get all like in a tizzy and frustrated, and they start questioning him, and he's like, I don't know what happened. I just, I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry that your, your day was ruined by my healing, but that's what happened. That's and he's celebrating, and they're upset, and so he eventually, he points them back to Jesus, and says, Look, I, I'm not going to, like, I got healed, guys. I'm not going to stand here for your inquisition. I'm going home. I'm going to go celebrate. And so they come to Jesus, and they start challenging him. They start arguing with him. And in verse 19, look at this. Jesus says to them, John 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. I mean, this is quite the statement. The son can do nothing by himself. Again, with the humility of Jesus to say, I'm gonna limit myself so much that I can do nothing. Nothing, not not a thing by myself. I'm only going to do what I see the Father doing around me. And the implication there is I'm only going to do what the Holy Spirit empowers me and enables me to do. Jesus doesn't sometimes do God's things and sometimes go his own way. He says, no, 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 I do nothing on my own. I am only walking step by step in the path that God has laid out for me to walk says, I see where God is, and that's the way that I'm going to go. A picture that I saw N.T. Wright was talking about this was saying it's, it's like an apprenticeship or an internship. Whether you're a teacher or a nurse or you work in trades, you've probably had some of these roles where you apprentice under somebody else, right? You have a master plumber, and you want to go into plumbing, then you're going to get paired up with somebody who can teach you how to do that. If you're going into nursing, you go through school, but eventually school is not enough, so they send you to a hospital to go intern, to go learn with somebody more experienced. And then the role of that person is that we're going to walk together. We're going to go into the room together, and we're going to do this. We're going to go into the next room together, and we're going to do this. When the master plumber hires a new apprentice, they don't just say, all right, day one, I want you to go over to that house and give them a bid on refitting their pipes and then at the next place, go and change out their water. Like, no, he says, we're gonna go together and do these things. I've actually, I've been apprenticed by Jamie and Kim for 15 years. Go, when I was, you know, Ruby, how old are you? 
17. So when I was like a year older than you is um, when I came on staff. And, and very early on, uh, Jamie and Kim were fire chaplains. And I remember they took me to Fort Myers to do a death notification for a family. And I'm just an 18, 19-year-old going with them for no other reason than to watch and listen and see how do you, how do you pastor in this moment? How do you walk this out? How do you do that? And many of you have been trained in whatever your profession is in the same way, right? When you go into teaching, you get to the classroom and you're with another teacher and they walk you through how to prepare and how to do. And Jesus says, this is what I'm doing with the Father. Jesus, as a man limiting himself, says, I'm gonna be apprenticed by God. The Holy Spirit's gonna empower me to do the things that I need to do as God leads. And it is the same for you and I, that if I'm going to walk into what God has for me to do, then I have to walk step by step. I have to follow him every way and every direction. And in the moments where I think my way is better, where the pride kicks in, where, where the apprentice starts to think they know more than the master, is when the failures start to come. For a true apprenticeship, it's a complete submission to the master. And for you and I to follow God well, it requires that complete submission. Say, all right, God, what are you doing today? Because Jesus said, the son does nothing by himself, only what he sees the father doing. So God, what are we about today that I can be in on, that I can go with you, that I can be a part of that you're doing around me? Because every moment of your day, every facet of your week, God is at work. Now, it might just be a moment of relaxation and celebration, and God's just pouring into you in those moments, and those are great. It might be your trip to the grocery store later today to do shopping for the week, and, and it feels ordinary, everyday life, but it's in those moments that God is still at work in you, and it might be when you're at work tomorrow or at the family's house on Tuesday that God is consistently at work in us, but if we don't learn to follow his steps, then we'll never get to where he wants us to go. And while we were gone uh, this past week, we did some mini golf with the kids because needed a fun family thing to go do. So my kids are 10 and 11 years old. We went, went up to, uh, to the spot. They immediately picked the largest golf clubs they could find, and they're walking around like this, you know, I'm amazed we didn't have like a sword fight. I'm just thankful that that didn't happen. Eventually, we get them to the right size clubs. And they're like, you need this one. This is what fits you. But they have no clue how that works. They start showing them, all right, this is how you swing. This is how you do everything. Because they're immediately, they get the largest club, ball on the ground. Doesn't, who cares where a hole is? Just smacking stuff and just going, just going, just having fun, playing but not, not at all understanding the point of what we were supposed to be doing. And so we had to slow them down, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. All right, look, ball goes here. There's the hole 10 feet away. No, no, you don't need to, back, you don't need to swing that far back if you're just, just rolling the ball. Right? And so you have to kind of coach them through, and, and they slowly they start getting better, and they start feeling confident. At one point, my son got a hole in one, and he was so excited. He did great. And the next hole, I was like, all right, I know what I'm doing, Dad. I got this. I'll, I'll take it from here. I'm like, Probably still need to then just knocked it out of the park. Not in a good term. We're not playing baseball. 
not, not in a good way, just smack the ball the wrong direction. Like, you've got to slow down and listen and then walk in step with me. Because I may not be a master golfer, but let me tell you what. I can crush 10 and 11-year-olds in putt-putt, okay? <laughs> so I at least got that going for me. But every time they started to go good, maybe you've seen this in your own life. Things start going good. Things start working out really well. And so I just, you start kind of going your own way, doing your own thing. It's easy in the good moments to feel like, all right, there are, there are, all right, there are some things I can do on my own. But then you come to a verse like this, and it, how do you wrap your head around Jesus saying, no, 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 there is nothing that I do by myself. What are some of the most simple and basic things that you do? And are they committed to God or are they just functions that you carry out on a regular basis by yourself? Because God wants to be in your everyday moments. And it's when those things start going well that we tend to start veering off course. And God says, no, no, no. I still want to walk with you. I still want to be a part of it. I still want to go there with you. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So if we're gonna follow after him, we gotta surrender and go his way, but that requires us learning how to see what he's doing around us, learning how to see where he is and how he's leading us. And just like any other relationship, the way that you grow in this ability is just by spending time. Relationships grow when you're together, right? Relationships don't grow well when you're separated and apart and doing your own thing. You might have some of that time at work or something, but then you come back together with your spouse or your family or your friends and you talk and it's in those moments when you're together that you grow, that you learn about that person, that you see how they're gonna respond and things. In the apprentice example, it's by walking together that the apprentice learns what the master is gonna do. And that's the same for us, that we, even in those regular daily moments, don't just go our own ways, but that we walk with him. That's how we begin to see better and better. That's why we take time to spend with God and his word, hopefully on a daily basis, on a regular basis, to hear from him, to look at, all right, how does God call us to live and what are the ways that Jesus walks out his life as he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't, there are no shortcuts to that. There are no shortcuts to growing closer to God in a really quick way other than the Holy Spirit showing up in our lives and empowering us. And then it's an everyday, I'm gonna walk with you, Lord, into all that you have for me to do. But just to be sure that Jesus didn't misspeak in verse 19, we're gonna jump down to verse 30 and we'll close there. So Jesus response to these religious leaders who are challenging him, how it's, it's completely inappropriate of you to heal Jesus on a holy day. You need to save that kind of stuff for outside of the church on a different day. I don't know, that's, that's where they're at. And he says, no, 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 listen, this is what my father is doing and I'm gonna do what I see God doing. And then he kind of changes tone for the next 10 verses and talks about the end of the world and resurrection. And you can go read that if you want. There's, we'll even see that a little bit in verse 30. But in verse 30, he comes back home to kind of land the point. 
And just in case you thought he misspoke in verse 19, John 5, verse 30, he says again, by myself, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I am completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to work in my life. These are the words of Jesus. And if for him, then more so for us. He's just spent 10, pay, or 10 verses talking about the end of the world. Talking about things and times that you and I can only guess at. And we can only guess at it because of other words in the Bible. Otherwise, we have no clue. But Jesus is God. He knows. He knows what's coming. He knows what's next. He knows what the end of it. He knows the answer to every question that you or I could have. And yet still, he's responding in humility and saying, by myself, I can do nothing. We are completely dependent, completely dependent on the Holy Spirit for the simplest things and the greatest things. Things And until I can get to that point, until you can get to that point in your life where you can walk confidently, not because of your own abilities, because God is in the middle of things, then you will miss out on what God has for you to do in your life. Jesus says, I know I am completely dependent on him. And he keeps going. He says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. He's referring back to the end of the world and his role as kind of judge there. But look at the end of this verse. For I seek not to please myself, but to please him who sent me. So there's kind of three parts that we've walked through here to to seeing the Holy Spirit greatly at work in our lives. That I would surrender control, that I would walk step-by-step with him, realize that I'm dependent, and then finally answering this question, who do I seek to please in my life? If we're really honest, often that can be a pretty scary question to answer. Because, I mean, you're here. You came to service. You're watching online. There are parts within you where you're saying, my goal this week is to please the Lord. I came to church for a reason. However, in the walking out the day to day, I'll speak for myself. There are moments where my decisions are not aimed at anything other than pleasing Jason. And when I get that out of order, where I'm focused more on pleasing myself than on pleasing God, that I start to lose it, right? I start to lose it. I start to stake. That's where you start to kind of veer off course and start going your own way, away from what God has to do, away from the moments that God might have set up for you to get to engage in and be a part of. When I take my eyes off of pleasing the Father, and instead it's on pleasing me, you can bet that it won't last too long until I start screwing things up. Because when my focus is on myself, I'm missing the important things that are around me. Now, here's the thing, though. Even in those moments, the Holy Spirit does not stop being at work. 
Even in those moments where I go my own way, where I make my own wrong choices, where you choose to step away from what God has for you, the Holy Spirit remains with you and starts kind of tapping on the shoulder. He'll start bringing conviction. He'll start bringing memories. He'll start bringing words. He'll put other people in your path and say, hey, you've got to reshape. You've got to come back. You've got to realign. Your priorities of who you're trying to please have gotten out of order. Jesus says, I can do nothing by myself. I seek to please the one who sent me. And in those moments where we miss it, the Holy Spirit is still at work to realign us, to bring us back to what God would have for us, and then to point us forward again in the right direction. Because he wants to be with you every step of the way. If I can go back to the, uh, the putt-putt example for a moment. You know what I'm not doing if it's just Carrie and I going out or something? Probably not going to play putt-putt. It's not, not really my thing. Um, just, you know, whatever. But if we're going with the kids, I actually, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. We have a blast because I'm doing it with them. And I get to walk out with them the enjoyment and pleasure of their life together. In fact, their joy in those moments makes my joy even better. That's what brings me joy and brings me hope. And I say that in this closing moment because as we talk about where Jesus says, I seek not to please myself, but to please him who sent me, his pleasure His joy is most complete when you are walking with him and experiencing all the joy and goodness that he has planned for you. I think Costa called it the too muchness of God. That when you walk in that, when you get to experience his Holy Spirit in that way, when you deny yourself to say, I'm going to please God instead of myself, what you find in those moments is the joy and pleasure of God that is greater than anything you could ever do to please yourself. Denying ourselves does come at a cost, but it leads to greater satisfaction and hope than ever before. And if you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus was to carry out the mission that God has for you, then it requires us to surrender control over to him, to say, all right, I'm not going to do anything that isn't what God has for me, to walk in step with him, say, all right, I'm going to go and follow after him, and then I'm going to choose to chase his pleasure, not my own. And in those moments, you start to see the Holy Spirit showing up in great and amazing ways, doing things that you never could have imagined in your life, showing up in opportunities and moments that were just supposed to be normal, regular things as you went to the grocery store. Instead, God showed up in a great and new way. He wants to be in every moment of your life, and he has some really great things to pour out in each of those moments. And we're going to close with a time of prayer right now. And uh, kind of the first step in, in a lot of this is to give, surrender that control over, give control of your life over to Jesus as Lord. To say, all right, I recognize that I need a new master. I need somebody new to lead me and teach me. So 
If you've never done that in your life, that'll be the first part of our prayer right here. And I'll encourage you, if you want to make that commitment to pray along with me, and then I'll pray for everybody and we'll close in worship after that. But that prayer, if you need to take that step, is such a huge moment for you. Don't shy away from what God wants to do in your life this morning. Join me and let's pray. And again, if, that, if you want to start that relationship with him, then just pray along with me. Here's your thoughts. Just kind of repeat something like this. I'd say, Jesus, I invite you to be in control of my life. I want you to be Lord over everything. That I wouldn't seek to be the master, but that you would be my Lord, my master, my leader. And you invite him in, in a moment like that. And, and immediately, just as Jesus was baptized, and immediately the spirit descended on him, immediately God begins to work in your life, to shower you in his acceptance, his love, and to give you vision and plans for the future of what you'll walk out. So for everybody in this room and online, let me, let me pray for you as well. Just Jesus, as you do that, as you highlight those areas where you want to be at work in our lives, as you tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, this space, this moment, this action, you've been seeking to please yourself instead of pleasing me. As you highlight those spots to us, Jesus, right now, just pray for your grace in this room and online. Lord, we're so thankful that you don't challenge us and call us out out of wrath or anger or vengeance, but out of love, because what you have is better. And so, Holy Spirit, we just pray for that, that betterment that you have to come right now. Lord, that you would replace passions and desires and distractions that have kept us away from you, that you would remove those things, and Father, instead, let us focus more clearly on you and chase after you more strongly. Jesus, we need you strengths. We ask for your grace instead.